Welcome to All Cats Are Gray in the Dark. I'm your host, April Simmons. This podcast contains true cases of graphic violent crimes and other stories of a dark nature. Please be advised that due to the subject matter and violent, sometimes sexual content and obscene language, this podcast is not for children or the faint of heart. Hey everyone, I'm Anastasia. And I'm Lauren. We're the co-hosts of Wait to Panic, a paranormal and true crime podcast. We've delighted in years of sending each other the spookiest and most disturbing tales we can discover, and now we want to share them with you. Join us every Sunday for new stories about murder, paranormal mayhem, and everything in between. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, or any of your favorite listening places. We hope to see you next week. Make good choices, and remember, wait to panic. Well, hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Doing my weird Mrs. Doubtfire. I love it. Again. It turns me on. <laughs> that's odd. That's 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 for a different podcast. Um, today we're going to talk about a case that I only became familiar with because I just read a, this book during quarantine. Uh, it's called If You Tell by Greg Olson. And it's about this case. Um, and it's a really horrifying case. But it's fascinating if you're like me and you like really fucked up stuff. And it's true crime. <laughs> it's, yes, true. it's true. It's, yeah, it's, it's a true story. It's a novel. It's, it's a true story. Um, it was this, basically the case of Michelle Shelley Notek, who was sentenced to more than two decades behind bars back in 2004 for the torture deaths of Kathy Loreno and Ronald Woodworth at her Raymond Washington home. The Seattle Post Intelligencer reported at the time. That's a terrible uh, name for a newspaper, though. It really is. It's like, that's. Who came up with that? I don't know. They should be fired. (laughs) Um, She entered an Alfred plea, which means that she did not technically admit guilt, but acknowledged a jury would find her guilty on charges of second degree murder and manslaughter in both deaths. Her husband, David Notek, was convicted of murder in a third death at the family's home, the fatal shooting of her teen nephew, Shane Watson. Notek, now 65, is expected to be released from the Washington Correction Center for Women in the summer of 2022. How horrifying is that? Oh, so she she wasn't actually convicted by a jury... Of she murder. entered an Alfred She play. did an Alfred play. Yeah. Hmm. Her three daughters, Nikki, four, who was at the time of this article was 44, Sammy, 41, and Tori, 30, were interviewed for a book on the case entitled, If You Tell, A True Story of Murder, Family Secrets, and the Unbreakable Bond of Sisterhood. They actually reached out to the book's author, Greg Olson, two years ago because they were worried about their mother's release, the New York Post reports. Okay, that's bad when your own kids don't want you out. Right? Yeah, when your kids are like, please don't release that batshit crazy lady, because she was. And if, I mean, not just one, but three. I would have to, if I was a probation committee, I would probably have to listen to them. Yeah. 
My mother was like a ticking time bomb, Nikki recalled in the book. I never knew when she would go off. In the book, Notek's daughters accuse her of physically and mentally abusing them over the course of the years. Among the many horrific and bizarre accusations, the women said that as girls, their mom regularly forced them to sleep outside. They claimed she often sadistically forced them to get naked and roll around in the mud while she sprayed cold water on them with a hose as punishment for wrongdoings. And so I, I'm going to side note that sometimes that was in the winter also. Um, for wrongdoings such as using the bathroom without permission. Yes, they had to ask permission to use the bathroom. This is a classic narcissistic mother. Mm -hmm. yeah. Notek allegedly even forced one of her daughters to slow dance naked with Watson, the girl's now dead cousin. The mother also allegedly shaved her own eyebrows to fake having cancer, according to her daughters. Jesus. The, one, the women recall that Loreno, a friend of Notek who'd moved into the home in 1988, offered to babysit in exchange for room and board, starved to death while imprisoned in the home's laundry room six years later. Notek's daughter said their mother began drugging and starving Loreno after a time, though the acts of abuse were mixed in with periods of affection. Kathy was a pleaser and never did anything to trigger such treatment. Olsen told the Post, Shelley delighted in making other people hurt. It made her feel superior. She has never been formally diagnosed as a psychopath, but showed all the traits. This is like whatever happened to baby Jane type syndrome, you know, locking her in a room and then just oh, yeah, and one day bring her real food and, and these the outsiders bring like a dead bird. And, the, and you know, these boarders tried to escape and she she stopped them. She went and got went out and got them and brought them back. Like, she didn't let them escape. Jeez. Yeah. It's um, scary stuff. Yeah. But a year after, you know, the, the, the border, Kathy had died from starvation, basically. A year later, the cousin, girl's cousin, Watson, vanished. They at first wanted to believe their mother's cover story that he moved to Alaska to start a new life as a fisherman. It was later, later revealed that he was shot to death by David Notek, allegedly at Shelley's urging. Her daughters think he was killed to, in order to cover up Loreno's death because he saw a lot. He and he, about it, yeah. he was so living with them at the time. she had been arrested for the starvation death of the other woman. No, she was. It was that one and one of the other ones that she got arrested for, but she didn't get in trouble, even though she was the instigator for the... the, the um, her nephew's death too. Okay. She talked her husband into shooting him because of several other. Wow. I think she, I can't remember exactly, but she had lied to him about him doing other stuff, and basically got the husband mad enough to actually do it. You know, she lied. She basically made up shit about him to get him to kill her, kill him, and he was just a teenager. I mean, he was a kid. And he... It makes me wonder about what kind of husband would be married anyway to this type of person. He wasn't there most of the time. He worked... Like over the road truck He worked... No, he worked at, like, a construction site, and he... Okay. And it was far enough to weigh that he just stayed there most of the time, and he would come home occasionally on weekends and but stuff like that. But apparently he knew that she had killed his daughter, right? Um... Technically, yes, but he was he kind of like he was no kind ask, of in denial. Yeah, don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, he was kind of in denial because he wasn't in there most of the time, 
and he believed whatever people told him about what was going on at the house. You know? So. Basically, Woodworth was another boarder that moved in. I believe he was a gay man that moved in with them. Uh, moved in with the family in 1999 as another boarder, and just as Loreno had years earlier, began suffering abuse before long. According to the book, he was forced to drink his own urine and coerced to jump from the roof of the two-story home onto the gravel. His wounds from the jump were doused in boiling water and bleach, otherwise untreated, and they ultimately led to his death in 2003. Was that ruled an accident? Um, I don't think so. Being that he jumped? I don't think so, but she completely psychologically, both of those borders, she completely psychologically yeah, manipulated. Yeah, she got away with the first one. She so manipulated another them. one to move in, you know, she, before the police got involved. She basically controlled them to the point where she wouldn't let them be in contact with their family or friends or anybody. Okay. And she just basically stripped them down to where they were scared to leave. It's almost like and a Stockholm Syndrome, maybe? Almost, because she would like, be like, only I care about you. You know, like, nobody yeah, else cares about you. Stockholm Syndrome. That kind of stuff. But she was very manipulative, you know. Um, and these people were honestly scared because they tried to escape at several points and were not able to because she would go get them. She would go drive and go get them. Uh, see, that makes me think not Stockholm Syndrome then because Stockholm Syndrome, they wouldn't even try to escape anymore. But... But even then, it took a lot of abuse for them to finally try to leave because they were so fucking scared of her, you know? Like, I'm going to have to pull up a picture of this woman. I'm interested to see what she looks like. I have a picture on my computer. Let me pull that up because she was a hot redhead. Of course she was a redhead. Makes sense, right? (laughs) All the crazies are. Um... Let me find. I have it on here somewhere. Oh, these are the victims. Aww. Um, I saved that too because I wanted to put... Because I've been uploading the episodes to YouTube and put pictures with them and stuff. To So, for people that aren't into the like podcast apps and stuff like that. Because I know there are people like that. They're not familiar with that and they don't want to download it. There it is. She was pretty. No, and she was batshit crazy. Hmm. Um, Tori, who was then just 14 and still living at home, talked to her sisters, and they decided to call the police on their mom following Woodworth's death. Their decision led to the arrest of Shelly and her husband. Of all the things it takes the kid, the 14-year-old, to finally Well, get she basically around. got the sisters to come get her because she was too scared to do anything while she was still there. Sure. Um, and the other sisters were already out of the house and wanted nothing to do with any of it. I can't believe they didn't take the 14-year-old with them. I mean, what? I'm sorry. I'm kind of mad at the sisters for that. I would be taking the uh, other one with me. At that point, she was the baby, and she bought into her mother's crap at that point. Oh, she didn't want to go. But once okay. the others were gone, then she started getting the abuse. Uh, okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Olson told the New York Post that Notex daughters wanted to warn the society about the danger posed by their mother, a woman he likens in his book to literary, literary and movie villains like Cujo, Freddy Krueger, and Pennywise. 
They feel it's their duty to expose their mother's true nature as a predator, he said. And then I've got a whole section where I talk about the victims because I feel like that's only fair. Sure. That yeah, other that other enough. only tells you kind of the basics of the whole case. But I wanted y'all to know a little bit about the victims that got killed supposedly they by her. they honestly matter more than anyone. Yes. Know? Kathy Lorena was the first victim. She was a hairdresser working in South Bend, Washington when she met Michelle. They became friends in 1991 after an odd argument between Lorena and her family she moved out of their home and into the home of Michelle and David so she always spins it like come live with me and I'll take care of you and you can just babysit the kids and I'll let you live here that I mean, kind of I, stuff I know people like that you know that they get in fights with their families and just don't want to live there anymore so they leave and go move in with their best friend mm-hmm. yeah um but that's how she spend it and then so she moves in with them and during her stay she's suffered physical abuse. In 1994, she was reported missing by family members. When interviewed by authorities, the no-tech stated that Lorena had run away with a truck driver and moved to Hawaii. And okay, she, one, you can't drive a fucking truck to Hawaii, so... <laughs> <laughs> that story's got a hole in it. Well, she ran away with a truck driver and moved to Hawaii. He may have yeah. quit his it's job or whatever, but yeah. But she maintained that she and Lorena were still in regular contact. However, a private investigator hired by Lorena's brother concluded that she had probably been murdered by Michelle. David claimed that Lorena died by asphyxiating on her own vomit, but he did not take her to a hospital or report her death to the police because of physical injuries to Lorena. So they were afraid to take her to the hospital because she had physical bruises and marks and stuff. Yeah. And they were probably, if she got any kind of check or anything. And they were drugging her, too. So, yeah. either way, they would have been blamed for the death, and righteously so. Sure. Um, the other, the next one was Shane Watson, which was the cousin, you know, her, Shelly's nep- nephew. He Shane, my age right now. Mm-hmm. Shane was born in 1975 in Tacoma, was Michelle's nephew, he moved in with them around 19, 1993, shortly after Lorena's disappearance in 94. Watson seemingly vanished, too. The Notex initially claimed that Watson had run away to Alaska to work on a fishing vessel. Notex later claimed that he had shot Watson with a twenty-two. Investigators alleged that David killed Watson because Michelle was enraged that Watson took pictures documenting the abuse of Lorena. David also stated that he burned the bodies of Shane and Kathy Loreno and scattered their ashes at the beach. So the bodies were actually never recovered from those, yeah. They burned them. Um, Ronald Woodworth was a local man who went to live with the Notex in 2001. Like Kathy, he was also subject to severe physical abuse. Witnesses described seeing Woodworth being forced to do chores outside wearing only his underwear and to jump from the second story roof onto gravel wearing nothing on his feet causing broken bones and severe lacerations. They also claimed that Michelle would burn Woodworth's injured feet with boiling water and pure bleach. Woodworth went missing in 2003. David Notek later admitted to burying Woodworth's body on their property after Michelle told him that Woodworth had committed suicide. An autopsy performed by the King County Medical Examiner proved that Woodworth's death was murder. Um, 
And then finally, there was no charge on this. It was just speculation. James McClintock, an 81-year-old Pearl Harbor veteran who often rode his motorized wheelchair to the grocery store, needed a caregiver, and hired Michelle Notel. Oh, had he not heard about her? Um, This was before she got caught, so... Six months later, McClintock died from an unexplained blow to the head, leaving no tech $5,000, his poem, and his beloved dog, Sissy. McClintock may have met no tech at a local social services agency where she worked, and after his death records show, David began using McClintock's social security number. Holy shit. So it's, How did she work in social services to begin with? I mean, I, I know mean, she hadn't been caught yet or anything, but... Talk about being so manipulative that you can work your way into these type of places and and get with people that you know to murder. Yeah. But basically, that's that's all I have on this case. But like I, I don't know. I guess it's especially horrific because she just manipulated she's just these people. A psychopath. Yeah, she manipulated these people and abused them and covered it up for years. That was my wondering, how the hell did she get away with this for so many years? Because it was like, what, 1994 to 2001? She had a way of finding these people that were on the outs with their family. So when the family didn't hear from them, nothing happened, you know? Yeah, that's understandable. still scary as hell, though. You never know who you're going to run into. Or, you know, become friends with. That's why I don't make new friends. (laughs) I don't Um, need new friends. And all in the book. Um, I think she even, <coughs> when she was younger, they, were, they had a lot of problems out of her. She manipulated to get her way and just caused problems everywhere she went, I believe. But I'm don't quote me on this because I can't, it's been a little bit since I read the book and I'm, my memory's not as good as it used to be. But I think she'd even accused her dad or stepdad of abuse or something like that just to cause problems. And I could see that. I could see that mm. she definitely has some kind of trauma in her own life to make her the way she is. It's still no excuse. Um, by any means, no excuse. But she, from just from what you read there, she sounds like a classic narcissistic personality. She just causes chaos wherever she goes. Like, she just... Those are the people that you stay very far away from. But just, I guess, I have endured parental abuse myself but i've never like the whole naked in the mud being sprayed with the hose in winter yeah not that is just that's the that's horrifying that's the they don't care if their kid lives or dies yeah it's no they have no conscience and some people i believe have no conscience these they just kill to see what it feels like to kill someone they the John Wayne Gacy's and all of that. It's not that they actually take extreme pleasure in it. They just have no conscience I think and they I, do it. To- I actually think that she did not intend to kill these people. She just kept escalating the torture. She liked to torture, the, she she liked to torture, torture. people yeah. and she es- kept escalating it to the point that these people kept dying. It's kind of, it, <coughs> even though this is in a non-sexual way, it kind of reminds me of the toy box killer. He just, he got off on the torture just mm-hmm. a, the most extreme torture that you could possibly inflict on someone. And, I think she's the same way. And she enjoyed controlling people, too. Because, I mean, think about she wouldn't let anybody in the whole family use the bathroom unless they asked permission. That's and even then, she 
And even then, she would not necessarily give them permission. And then what? What, do they just pee themselves? Um, The girl said that in the middle of the night, they would collect their pee in a jar and then pour it out the window when she, like, the next day. But if she she happened to check the room and found the pee, they got got in a whole lot of trouble. I would have been like, bitch, you should have let me pee. Mm. Why do I have to ask your permission anyway? Uh, but it's it's horrifying and and then the sad thing is if the daughters if the daughters had ended up retaliating and finally getting fed up and having enough and killing her they would have been charged with murder yeah but a lot of times also these people if you go to the police the police are just thinking that you're some bratty kid that just wants to you know get your parents in trouble and they don't do anything about it. I mean, the Menendez brothers, for example. We need to do a, a podcast on the Menendez brothers. Mm-hmm. I believe that they should not be in prison. So, I yeah, do. It's, it's, I have heard their story about abuse and everything. Um, I don't know. I would like to look more into that. We might have to do that sometime. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, this bitch does not need to get out of prison. Yeah, yet. this bitch needs I to, can't believe that she would even be considered for parole. This bitch needs all that shit that she did to her kids and these other people done to her. That is my opinion. Maybe harsh, but I don't give I a shit. Yeah. yeah. She needs to be stripped naked, sprayed with a hose in the middle of winter, left outside to sleep, beaten within an inch of her life like just just keep, in fact keep it going for the exact amount of time that she did it to all these other sure. people jump off a roof like i honestly believe she deserves that because she is a terrible fucking human being um but we're up to 23 countries and 42 states now i just wanted to bring that up because like, That's amazing. I can't I believe anybody would ever listen to us. Um, <laughs> We're just, we just I two know. southern red-headed girls. Yep. And they're including Isle of Man, New Zealand, and Ireland, which is like my top three places I would like to travel someday. Same. <clears throat> let's go. Let's just, I know. Let's as soon go. As restrictions lift, let's just uh, get on a plane and go. If you're a fan from one of those places, hey, hit us up if you have a place we can crash. <laughs> and you're not a psycho killer. Yeah, and you're not a psycho killer. Background checks will be given. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We're big ladies. I think we could probably take care of ourselves. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I could. Yeah. Like, no, don't try anything with us. We're going to team up and kick your ass. I'm fat and ugly. Um, no, you don't want me. <laughs> <laughs> she lies. Anyway, and 42 states here in the U.S., that's most of them. That's most of them. Most of them. Uh, we still got a few holdouts. Come on, the rest of you in these other states need to get with it. <laughs> and start listening. If we um, hit all 50 states, I will do a surprise. Okay. We'll do like a, a contest or something. Yeah, like a giveaway a, or something. A giveaway. There'll be a prize at the end. Yeah. Um, our anniversary, our one year anniversary, I mentioned in the other episode, but I'm not even sure which episode, which ones I'm going to do in what order. But we recorded another episode today. And uh, mentioned that the anniversary, yeah, our one year anniversary is coming up soon. So send us some questions, feedback, stories, whatever you want to send. Our contact info is in the um, 
in the show notes. I, could, I couldn't even think of what the word for it was anymore because it's been... It's brain it's fog been so, yeah. quarantine. Yeah, yeah, quarantine brain fog. Uh, 662-200-1909 is our phone number. If you want to leave a voicemail, we can play that during the anniversary episode. So you can just call and tell us, hey, I love you guys. Or tell us a story that's similar to one of ours. Or tell us how you know Michelle Notech. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> hopefully you don't. Yeah, hopefully you don't. Uh, or whatever you want to leave for us, leave a message and we'll play it in the episode. Even if you say, fuck off, you ugly you bitches. Suck. Yeah, fuck off, you ugly bitches. We will play that too because yes, we, will. we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and we will laugh at you. Yes, we will laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. <laughs> um, and our shout out again... This week is the crimes we're into. They're brand new. Check them out. They're another true crime podcast, Two Sisters. Uh, So check them out. And I guess that's all. We're not going to do a break this week because this is a super, super short one. Um, And we'll be back with more episodes sometime. As soon soon as we can. Yep. So until then, as always, talk talk hard. hard. Bye bye.